0: You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius podcast. Amen. Thank you, Angela. And I just give as well my shout out to the Grace teams. So many folks using their gifts to honor God and to serve God's family. A couple of weeks ago, I was just kind of milling about the sanctuary as I often do. And I saw uh, we had a whole family serving. We had the dad in the sound booth running what you see on the screen. Mom works on the parking team, serving there. Two of their teenagers were running cameras, and I thought, wow, man, this is awesome. I got the whole family engaged. So we would love to have you connected, because, again, uh, who's the church? We are. How does the church happen? It happens when the church, like, uses their gifts to serve others. And so we would love to have you, whatever your place would be, we would love to have you um, Find that place. Well, again, great to have all the folks joining us. Grace Online this morning. We're continuing today our study of the words of Jesus revealed through the stories that he told, the parables that he told. As we discovered last week, a parable is like a story thrown alongside a truth to bring the truth to life for us. It's like living word pictures, if you can think of it like that. Jesus consistently used parables to illustrate kingdom principles. That we're not just for the listeners of the day, but I believe still truth for us today. Matter of fact, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, there's some truth for you today. Go ahead and tell them. Encourage them. There's some truth for you today. So the parables were not just for then. It's like it so connects with where we're at and how we're walking out our faith today. So this morning we want to look to Matthew chapter 20 as we talk about some workers who were hired into a vineyard. So if you have your Bibles, you're going to look with me to Matthew 20 or whatever means or technology you're using. Turn to Matthew chapter 20. Grab the sermon notes there this morning while you're getting to Matthew chapter 20. Uh, let me just talk with you a little bit about what this parable is all about as we're looking into like the generosity, the grace of God. You know, as, as we think of humanity, as we think of our own lives, there, there's two things, probably a lot of things, but this morning I'm going to talk about two things that we all value, appreciate in one. And here, here's the two things fairness and grace. Fairness and grace. So let me do a quick survey this morning just to kind of see if I'm target on. How many of you appreciate fairness? Like if goods are being distributed or money is being distributed, you want what's your fair share, right? Or if you're going to go before a judge, if you're in a court, if you have to appear at court, hopefully that's not often. But if you have to, what you want the judge to be, you want the judge to be fair. We value and appreciate and we really want, we want fairness, Um. And when things are not fair, it it unsettles us. When things are not fair, when we see something that's not fair, it it stirs some angst within us. We also really appreciate grace, especially when we are on the receiving end of grace. So what's grace? Grace is undeserved favor. It's kind of shown to you that you did not earn. So you didn't work for it, but it's, it's grace. So how many of you love grace? If you love grace if you're watching online just type grace into the chat line. But we are we love grace. We love it when we get the extra blessing of something that we didn't deserve. And here's the challenge. The challenge for us becomes when grace trumps fairness. When grace trumps fair, we're okay if it's in our favor, but when it's in the favor of others, like it can unsettle us. It can, it can make us envious or even angry. We, we can find ourselves like crying out, foul. Like, hey, that's, that's just not fair. Now, let me share a story with you that I think that, that illustrates uh, this very principle. A few years ago, I was, uh, don't think of me in any bad light by this story. It's a true story. A few years ago, I was speeding in the wrong place at the wrong time, and I got to meet a new friend. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? You probably had that. As the police officer pulled me over, I was quickly racking my brain as to what is the story? Like, what story am I going to tell that's going to get me out of trouble? Like, can I possibly play the pastor card? There is a pastor card, right? What story? And I tell it would get me out of so, trouble. I mean, obviously, obviously I was guilty. At that moment I was a lawbreaker. I was guilty, and um yet I was I was hoping for grace. I was hoping I could somehow convince the kind policeman that I was wrong, but that he would give me like a warning ticket or or like a seatbelt violation. That that would have been good. That's what I was I was hoping for, but he didn't. He actually gave me the speeding ticket that I deserve. Why? Because I was guilty. I I broke the law. Well, a few days later, I was having a conversation with one of my friends, and I was sharing my frustration about getting a speeding ticket. Um, Because... because, you know, there's a cost. I was whining about the cost, the cost of the ticket. But the cost of the ticket, as you know, is, is nothing compared to the cost of the insurance, right? I knew that for the next three years, I'm going to be paying for this silly ticket because I was not being wise. I was speeding when I, I shouldn't have been speeding. And so I'm just whining. I'm kind of laying out this story. And, and he shares with me his own story. He says, you know, I, I, funny you, you would get a speeding He said, I got a speeding ticket as well. And. Actually, he was breaking the law worse than I was. (laughs) He was like breaking the law by more miles per hour than I was. And so he's telling me the story of how he got pulled over by the policeman. He was speeding and the policeman gave him a warning ticket. Not the real thing. But he received grace and I received punishment. Now, I, I didn't say this out loud, I, I didn't want to be rude, but I'm telling you, internally I was saying, foul! That's not fair! It's not fair that he got grace and I didn't. It's not fair that he got grace and I got what was coming to me. It's like, this is not, this is not right. See, we all love grace when we experience it in our lives, and we all want fairness one of the things I've come to discover, when grace trumps fairness for others and they get something we didn't get, then we can be challenged. We can be unsettled. We can even be envious. There was a bit of envy that was happening with me because I'm thinking about three years of paying for this ticket. This is one of the things I've discovered about humanity. We love to receive grace, but we can have a hard time celebrating with others when they receive grace. Now, as you think of your relationship with God, let me ask you a question. Do you want fairness or do you want grace? let Let me state the question another way. Do you want what you deserve from God? Think about that. Or do you want grace? Obviously what we want, we want grace. We certainly don't want what we deserve. We don't want to talk about what we deserve. The good news for us today is that God relates to us based on grace, not based on what we deserve. God is generous, but his generosity comes in different ways at different times to different people. His generosity manifests in different ways and different times to different people. And at times that can seem unfair to us. We see this playing out in this parable that Jesus told about some workers who Who labored in a man's vineyard. So let's read this parable, this story that Jesus told. Matthew chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. So these are are day workers. So he's hiring day workers to come and be a part of what's happening in the vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around. he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Verse 7, because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired going to the first. So so pay the ones who were hired at 5 p.m., who quit at 6 p.m., I want you to start by paying them first. Verse 9, the workers who were hired about the 11th hour, which again would have been 5 p.m., came and each received a denarius. So when those who came were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do with what I, do what I want with my own money or are you envious because I am generous So the last will be first and the first will be last As we look at this parable our first thought might be like this is not fair It's not fair like there's The ones who've labored all day, they should have received more than the ones who only work for a short amount of time. Those who work for a short amount of time should have received less. But this parable, I think, illustrates for us the generosity and the grace of God. And the parable of the workers in the vineyard reminds us that we are beneficiaries of God's love and God's grace. He invites each of us to join Him in His kingdom. But the way the kingdom plays out may not always appear fair. In other words, there may be others who get more than you got, or they may receive something that you didn't receive. And it's all a part of what? The work of God's kingdom. Now, this is, this is not happening because God's not just. God is just. He's a just God who cannot and will not do wrong, but he's also a God of grace who gives us more, and he gives us better than we deserve. Turn to your neighbor and say, well, God's given me more than I deserve. What is that? It's called grace. It's the generosity of God. In this parable, we have a man who owns a vineyard. And what does he need? He needs workers. He needs hands to work in the vineyard. So he goes out at six in the morning and he, and he actually goes down to the market corner where a lot of men have gathered hoping to find work for the day. And he, and he hires a group of men and he agrees to pay them a denarius, which would have been equitable wage for a day's labor. So they're going to work a 12-hour day, and they're going to get a denarius. And they were pretty excited to, what, have work for the day. Having work for the day meant this. Basically, it's going to be food on the table. So they, would, they knew they would be bread for the family that night. Why? Because someone had hired them to go and work in the vineyard. And then the, the, story, as the story goes, the landowner goes back at, at 9 a.m. at, at noon, at 3 p.m. and at 5 p.m. and he finds other individuals who are standing in the marketplace and because there's so much work in the vineyard, he hires them. But if you notice in the story, he doesn't tell them how much he's going to pay them. He just hires them and, and they're actually pretty excited too because, again, work means there's going to be bread on the table. So at this point in the story, like everyone's satisfied because everyone has work. But what's interesting is when it comes to the end of the day, and now it's, it's payday, it's pay time, and they begin to call the workers in. And it's interesting the way Jesus tells this story. It's those that were hired last at 5 p.m. That means they only worked what? One hour. He gave them a denarius. It was generous, very generous, very gracious. And at this point, those who were hired early at, at 6 in the morning they're pretty excited. They're pretty excited because they're presuming that, wow, if they only worked an hour and they got a denarius, then when it comes our time, we're going to get more. I mean, we worked 11 more hours than they worked, then we should get, like, what, more money. Like that would seem to be that would seem to be fair. I mean, they've borne the heat of the day like all day out in the vineyard. But when they get to the table to receive their pay, they're given like one full day's wages like, like all the rest before them. And as you can imagine, what do they do? They cry foul. Like, hey, that's not, that's not fair. Like, we worked all day and, and we're going to receive the same payment that everyone else received? That's like, that's not right. And the landowner reminds them that he's being fair. You agreed to work for a denarius and I'm giving you a... This is equitable. This is fair. Like there's no injustice playing out here, but this is what it is, folks. It's a wonderful picture of God's grace who gives us more, more than we deserve. See, for us today, at first glance, I think the focus of the story appears to be about the inequity of payment. And based on this work payment ratio, it's understandable that the all-day workers were bothered Because they were not paid more. But the focus of the story is really not about the payment. The focus of the story is about this. It's about the generosity of the landowner. The one who is willing to give more than what individuals earn, more than what they deserve. The landowner in this parable represents God. So as we kind of play this out, who's God? God's the landowner. He's the one that owns the vineyard. He's the one who owns the earth, right? Who's the workers? We are. We're the workers who are invited in to be a part of God's family. We're, in part, we're invited in to be a part of his work in our world. As we look at this parable, I don't know what the header says in your Bible. The header in my Bible says the parable of the workers in the vineyard. That's how it's titled and not that that's a bad title. I think a better title would be the generous employer. Because this, this parable is about the generosity of God, it's about the wonder of God's grace for, for each of our lives. So, so, what can we learn? What can we learn from this story that Jesus told? I, I want to give you really quick three statements, three important statements. The first is this everyone, regardless of status, is invited to join God in his kingdom everyone. And the good news for us today is it's not just the good that get in. It's not just those who have it all together that get in. It's not those who like are getting it right most of the time. Maybe not all the time, but most of them, it's not just those who get in. If that was true, how many of you know, a lot of us wouldn't be in. I wouldn't be in. Maybe you're better than me. Maybe you would be in, but I wouldn't be in. The great news is it's not about how good we can be or how good we've been. Then everyone, everyone is invited to be a part of God's kingdom, to share in this, to share in his grace and his generosity. Tell your neighbor, hey, that's good news. Well, we've been invited in, everyone, anyone, and invited in, want to be a part of God's family. If you look back to this parable that Jesus told, verse 6 and 7, It was about five in the afternoon, late in the day, he went out and he found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Verse 7, notice they respond, because no one has hired us. We've been here all day. We've been anticipating. We've been looking. We've been waiting. We've been hoping that someone would choose us. But no one's chose us. No one's invited us. We're thinking about our family that needs to be fed tonight, that there's bread on the table. We've been here all day waiting and no one's invited us to employment. Could it be that these individuals are still there at five o'clock or not there, uh, have have not been, they're not uh, working simply because they're lazy? Could it be that no one wanted them? Yet the landowner invites them to his vineyard. He extends opportunity to them in the midst of, of their situation. So he, he gives them opportunity to be a part of his work. He gives them an opportunity to experience his generosity and grace. Listen, the same holds true today because of the wonder of God's grace and the wonder of his mercy. He invites everyone and anyone, no matter where they've been, no matter what they've done, no matter what they've experienced, what to be a part of his family, to be a part of his work, Listen, no one, no one is beyond God's saving grace. Acts 2.21 reads like this, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, every single one. No matter status, no matter background, no matter, again, achievement, what you've done, what you haven't done. Possibly you remember the name Ted Bundy. How many of you remember that name? Probably the most notorious killer, murderer of the 20th century. While he was incarcerated after being found guilty and receiving the death penalty sentence, Ted Bundy made a confession of faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of his sins. The day before his execution, he asked if uh, Dr. James Dobson could come in and do an interview with him. Um, they could have conversation. And in this interview, as he talked with Dr. Dobson, he spoke of, of the horrendous acts he had committed, but he also spoke of the wonder of God's mercy, the wonder of God's grace. He, Ted was guilty of, this, of horrendous acts of injustice, but he had also come to discover the life that God gives. And as he responded to God's invitation, he experienced the wonder of God's grace, the very grace that you've received. But he received what he didn't deserve. See, God offers forgiveness of sins to whoever believes in him. So there's no sin so great that God cannot and will not forgive that sin. Again, what is the wonder of his grace? I mean, think about this. Moses and David were murderers that God forgave and used in amazing ways. Think about the gentleman who wrote like half of the New Testament that we have today. Paul, the Apostle Paul. You know what he was before he became like this great apostle? He was a murderer of Christians. He went about seeking those who were followers of Christ, those of the way that he might murder them. And God took a murderer and turned him into an amazing tool that he used. Like half of the New Testament we have today was written by a murderer. Want to talk about the wonder of God's grace? As I've interacted with people about Ted Bundy's story, at times, individuals have questions like, Pastor, do you really, you know, that's jailhouse faith. You call it what it is. This is what I know when we call on the one who's able to forgive every sin. This is what he does. He gives amazing grace. Grace beyond what we, what we deserve. So everyone, what we see in this parable is that everyone, regardless of status, is invited to join God in his kingdom. Is that good news? Tell your neighbor, hey, because of God's grace, you're invited in. Tell them. Because of God's grace. What? You're invited. I'm invited in. We get to be a part of God's family, God's work in the world. Here's a second critical truth that we learn from Jesus' parable here in Matthew 20. is that the foundation of God's kingdom is grace. So when you think about God's kingdom, the foundation of his kingdom is Grace. So what did the workers who were hired at 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, or 5 o'clock, what did they experience when they were paid a full day's wage? They experienced grace, didn't they? What they, they received what they didn't deserve. They were, given, they were given what they did not earn. They experienced the lavish generosity and the outrageous kindness of the owner of the vineyard. Verse 14, the owner of the vineyard says this, I want to give the man who has who was hired last, the same as I gave you. In other words, the landowner was saying, hey, I want to be generous. I I, I want to be gracious. To the end of the day, workers did not deserve the payment they received. Their payment was based entirely on the goodwill of the landowner. For God's grace has nothing to do with what we can earn or what we can do. Not based on your earning. Matter of fact, Dallas Willard, the great theologian, made this statement. He says that grace is not opposed to effort, but it is opposed to earning. Not opposed to effort, but it is opposed to earning. You cannot earn or, or work your way into right relationship with God. See, what God knew, what God knew is you and I could never be good enough. We could never meet the standard. So what did he do? He met the standard for us. Right? What did God do? He came to us in the mess of our world, in the mess of our lives, and he gave us what we didn't deserve. What did we deserve? We deserve judgment. We deserve punishment. Let me ask you this question. Have any of you ever done anything wrong before? ha oh, yeah. How many of you sped on your way to church this morning? Come on, be on. Yeah, Mark and I. God help us, repentance after the service, right? Mark, I'll be right here with you. Now, that's the challenge. God knew we could never be good enough. He knew we couldn't meet the standard. And so what did He do? He met the standard for us by sending His Son, Jesus Christ. He gave us grace. Grace that made way the possible of salvation. Listen, you didn't get into right relationship with God because you've been good enough. Listen, you're just like me. You're messed up. You need to realize that. It's a little self-awareness. God God gave us what we didn't earn, what we didn't deserve. What's that called? It's it's called grace. So God's saving grace has nothing to do with what we can earn or do. It's also important for us to understand that God's saving grace has nothing to do with the amount of time that we've served Him. That's kind of the the whole story playing out here there's those who serve for 12 hours and one who serve for one and they all receive what grace now i think of i think of the thief that hung on the cross beside jesus if you recall the story there was two thieves that were hung as jesus hung on the cross one on his right and one on his left if you remember there was one of the one of the thieves who cursed jesus and there was one Who cried out to him for mercy and interesting this is what Jesus said to him, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Let me ask you a question. Had he done anything to deserve? Had he had a chance to work for, to earn, to get into paradise? No. He was hanging on a cross. That day he died. And so there would be individuals who served Jesus for 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. And then there's the thief on the cross. And here's the good news. We all get in. Why don't we get in? We get in because of God's grace. So it's, it's not about... So much how long I've served or how long I've, listen, the the wonder is, is that of God's grace to us. The bottom line is that the only way any of us get in, the only way any of us have the privilege of relationship with God is because of his grace. Grace is the foundation of God's kingdom. Some months ago, I, I took my family out to a nice restaurant just so we could have some family time. You know, as your kids get older, they don't want to be with you a lot. So you got to bribe them with a nice restaurant. And so we went to a nice restaurant and we've just having some family time and enjoyed a great meal. And at the end of the meal, um, I motioned to the waiter and I asked for our ticket, our bill. And he came over and said, hey, uh, someone picked up your ticket. So immediately I'm scanning the restaurant like, who's here that I know? And I didn't see anyone that I knew. And still to this day, um, I have no idea who picked up our ticket. I have no idea who paid the bill. But did I earn it? Did I deserve it? I don't even know who it was. No, what it, it, was, it was grace. They picked up their ticket. Listen, hear me this morning. Here's the great news. God's picked up your ticket. Isn't that good news? He's paid the bill. He's picked up the ticket. What on, on your behalf? What is it? It's the wonder of his grace. The foundation of God's kingdom is grace. Here's a final truth we can pick up. From Jesus' story of the workers, comparison with others will rob us of the joy of God's grace. Comparison is an ugly thing. Not only is it an ugly thing, it's a thing that creates ugly within us. That's what surfaces in our lives. What we see playing out in this parable is the challenge that comparing ourselves with others creates. As the parable begins, the workers who are hired first, well, they're glad to have work. Like, you want to hire us and you're going to pay us a denarius for, for a day's work? Wow, that's great. But They're pretty late. They're excited. They agree to this fair wage for their day's work that they're going to receive. Everything's great until it becomes pay time. And the problem is not that they were unfairly paid. They were fairly paid. The problem was that they began to compare themselves with other workers who had not worked as long as they had but received grace, received the same pay. Matter of fact, if you look back to verse 11, 12, and 13, there's this dialogue that plays out. They begin to grumble against the landowner like, like foul. This is not fair. This is not right. Like we should be paid more. And he says, hey, I'm paying you exactly what we agreed on before you ever went into the vineyard. This is what I said I would pay. and That's exactly what I, what I paid you. As we look at these workers who were grumbling, what we discover is that comparison robbed them of the ability to be grateful for what they had received. It robbed them of the ability to be grateful for what they had. What the landowner had given them. I said, here's a surefire way to guarantee your unhappiness. Spend a lot of time comparing your life to others. Whether we look for reasons to be grateful or reasons to complain, this is what I know we'll find what we're looking for. It's kind of like the vulture and the hummingbird. They're both birds, right? A vulture and a hummingbird. A vulture um, begins his day looking for things that are dead. And because he's looking for things that are dead, most likely he finds what? Things that are dead. Hummingbird begins its day looking for sweet nectar. And because that's what it's looking for, most likely it finds what? Sweet it found exactly what it was looking for. And so it is in our lives. We find what we're looking for. Are we going to find things that we can complain about? Or are we going to find things that we can be grateful for? See, what we don't want to do is fall prey to the temptation to compare ourselves to others. See, comparison does three things. Comparison blinds us to the blessing of God's grace that we've received. I begin to compare myself to Dana. I'm thinking, man, I, I, I can't dress like Dana dresses. Man, he always looks so good. And, and I, can, I can miss the very fact that I was blessed. Someone gave me this t-shirt. I didn't have to pay for it. What's that? Grace. Grace. <laughs> I can be so caught up in comparing myself to how good Dana looks that I can like, miss the fact that someone gave me this t-shirt. I didn't have to pay for it. Here's the second, second danger of comparison. Comparison keeps us from being grateful for what we have, and it usually leads us to complaint. When you begin to compare yourself with others, you're going to miss the very blessing that's come your way. I don't even know your story this morning, but this is what I can tell you. You have been blessed in a huge way. We could just start with the fact that you live in the United States of America. And you had a car to drive here this morning. And you have a house that has a refrigerator in it. And you have a pantry that has some groceries in it. We could just start there with the basics. But when we begin to compare ourselves with others, we lose sight of there's 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 this tendency that we're not grateful for what we've been blessed with here's a third danger of comparison comparison can even fuel envy in our lives and that we want what others have see there's there's no there's no win in this comparison game it, if we fall prey to the comparison game it usually results in either pride or discouragement if I compare myself to someone else, and I'm in a better place than they are, then I can begin to think, wow, look, how, look at me. Look at all that I have. Look at all that I've done. And it, pride can what puff us up. Or on the other side, conversely, if I look at what someone else has, and they like they have, wow, a whole lot more than I have, I can get discouraged and like, oh my goodness, why do they have so much and I have so little? Why are they so blessed and why does it seem that I'm not as blessed as they are? There's there's no win in, in comparison. So listen, don't fall prey to the distraction and the temptation. That's what we see playing out in this parable. There was this comparison. And because of the comparison, they couldn't even be grateful for the fair pay, the equitable pay that they had received. So rather than comparing, choose to live grateful for God's grace in your life. And as you choose gratitude, then what you're going to discover is you're going to discover out of gratitude comes greater joy and greater opportunity. Guarantee it. Out of gratitude comes what? Greater joy, greater opportunity. And here's the good news for us today. Like the workers in the vineyard, we've been invited into God's family and God's work, listen, all because of his grace. His grace. We're going to have different experiences. We're going to have differing encounters. And we're going to experience God's grace and God's generosity in different ways. But at the end of the day, listen, we've all experienced more and better than we deserved. More and better than we deserve. Not because we earned it. But because God is gracious. Gracious. God is generous. You know, one of the common greetings is you, if you greet someone, you come up to someone, maybe a friend you know, or someone maybe you, you've just you've just met them. But a common greeting is, "How are you doing?" You probably say it multiple times a day, and you may not even realize. That, but how are you doing? Not all the time, but. A lot of the time, most of the time, when someone comes to me with a common greeting, how are you doing? My response is better than I deserve. And that's not just a random statement. It's not just a, a hilarious response, better than I deserve. I truly am living better than I deserve. So not because I was a great student, not because I've been a great pastor, not because I've accomplished great things better than I deserve because of the wonder of God's grace. The generosity of a good God. It's poured into my life, who's poured into your life. That's my story, and if I were able to sit with you, I would be able to hear your story and I would be able to say, say the same thing. Better than you deserve. It's the goodness of God. And the generosity of God. It's that that we get to celebrate. And it's that, friends, that we get to live in. You know, that's one of the wonders of being a follower of Jesus Christ. If someone were to say, why are you a follower of Jesus Christ? We could talk about the wonder of God's grace and its generosity. Not what we've earned, but that of the goodness of God in our lives. Amen. To you pray with me? God, we are grateful. Wow. We are so blessed. And not that we don't have challenges. Lord, I don't make light of the challenges. I have challenges. Lord, probably everyone here this morning, Lord, we face challenges. But Lord, what I know in the midst of it all, God, you are gracious. You are generous. And you've given us so much more than we deserve. I said, so Lord, this morning we just say thanks. Lord, if there's anything that this parable stirs within us, it's, it's, this, um, it's this cry of our heart just to say thanks, God. Thanks for giving us more and better than we deserve. Thanks for your goodness that chases after us. And we just acknowledge that this morning. And with grateful hearts, we say thanks. Thanks for your blessing. Thanks for your goodness. Thanks for your grace. Lord, may we not take it for granted. May we not make light of. And for goodness sake, Holy Spirit, help us not fall into that comparison game. we're in different places, different times, and different seasons. And Lord, you respond to each of us differently. So Holy Spirit, help us not to fall into that that trap that can be so destructive. But Lord, may we we be those who live with grateful hearts. Eyes set on you. Busy about your work. With every head bowed and eye closed, possibly you're here today, possibly you're watching online, and you've never opened your life to the wonder of God's grace. As I said in the first statement, everyone and anyone, everyone and anyone, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, everyone and anyone is invited into the family. Everyone and anyone is invited in to receive out of the wonder of God's grace. Possibly you're here today. I never want to just assume that it's well with everyone's soul. Possibly you're here today and you would just say, wow, I want to open my heart to that kind of grace. I want to receive Christ as my Savior. Is there anyone in the balcony on the main floor who would say, hey, Pastor, that's me. Pray with me. Pray for me. As I invite Jesus into my heart. Praise God praise God. Would you stand with me this morning? How many would agree with me? We serve a good God. Amen. Amen. We are blessed. That's what I know. And here's what I also know. God's blessed you for a reason. Never forget the reason. He's blessed you to be a blessing. So this week as you're walking in and walking out the grace of God and the generosity of God, listen, The scripture in Proverbs says that the goodness of God is chasing after the righteous. I'm telling you, not only is it chasing me, but it's caught me. I'm blessed. And I realize God's blessed me for a purpose. That I get to share the love and life of Jesus with others. So as you live out the wonder of God's grace this week, man, share that grace with someone else. Amen? Amen? God bless you. Have a great week.